1: I am Sarah-Jane Case, and this is Enneagram and Coffee. Hello friends, happy Wednesday. I hope your day is treating you well. Today I am answering a lovely question called in on boundaries. But first, today's rosebud and thorn. My rose today is that my husband and I went on a date last night, and it was just so lovely. We do lunch dates sometimes, but We haven't really done a dinner date in quite a while, like in a hot minute. And it was just kind of a different vibe. It was very romantic. And I felt like we really just had so much fun together so big rose my thorn is that y'all I am heading to Chicago in a couple of weeks to see two of my best friends and when I originally looked up the ticket I thought it would be free from airline mile points and I was so excited but then I waited a little too long to buy it when I finally did it wasn't free anymore Um, first world problems I know but that's my thorn today and my bud is y'all we are going to Bali that's right, me and you well, I mean, if you want to, so here's a little backstory back in twenty twenty when we fought this whole. Pammy thing would be over by 2021, I signed up to travel with folks from my online community to Bali. The trip got rescheduled to this October, 2022, and there are spots open if you want to join me. So we'll be doing a food tour. We'll be hanging out with some monkeys. We're gonna see rice fields. We're gonna have like guides who take us through the whole thing, transportation, foods included, your stay is included. And we're just going to have a magical time. So if you're interested, I will link the place to join in the show notes or just at least to get more information about it. You can make payments on it for up to 60 days before the trip. So it's not like you have to just pull out all that cash right now (laughs) to sign up. Um, But if you're interested and you want to go to Bali and you want to go with me, this would be a really cool thing to do. So I'll put the link in the show notes for you to go check it out. Um, Come hang out with me. Okay, so let's hear from today's caller.
2: Hi, Sarah Jane. My name is Joyce and I'm a type two. I loved your recent interview with Sawyer. Um, It was so great, especially for me as a type two. And I have a question on boundaries, typical type two. Um, Here's my question. And I know that I am too porous. When it comes to boundaries So a lot of what Sawyer said really spoke To me Um, And I think Boundaries are really having a moment In the the social Consciousness And what I'm observing is I feel Like a lot of people are kind Of becoming Too rigid Maybe that sounds judgmental but you know Like almost boundaries to the point of isolation And self-absorption um, which I guess is maybe my biggest fear of the two. So what do you make of this idea? Like, I, I also think I'm in relationship with some people who are kind of prone to that side of things, like prone to becoming isolated in the boundaries. And then, uh, I'm married to a four, you know, friends with five, things like that. And maybe that's, what do you think, Sarah Jane? You're the expert. When you go around the Enneagram members, Who has a tendency to be too porous? Who has a tendency to be too rigid? Where do you see, you know, a balance? What do you have to say about boundaries, Sarah Jane? Because clearly I could use your wonderful guidance. Okay. Thank you.
1: Bye. Thank you so much, Joyce, for calling in. First of all, your voice is just so soothing. I could listen to it all day. Second, I completely know what you're talking about. Sometimes it seems like we confuse boundaries with just avoiding anything and anyone who makes us uncomfortable. So I do think there is a conversation to have around this. Let's talk first about how we know that something should be a boundary. And then let's talk about how do we manage our boundaries and we can get into how does this look for each individual Enneagram type. So there are three major ways things we often confuse for boundaries. First, control, second, isolation, and third, avoidance. So what are the differences here? With control, the difference between control and boundaries is that control is meant to make others what, do what you want them to be, do or be what you want them to be. But boundaries make it safe for you to be yourself. I'm going to try and say that again because I kind of flubbed it up. Control is, is meant to make others what you want them to be, but boundaries make it safe for you to be yourself. Meaning, are you going into someone else's space telling them what to do? Or are you setting parameters on how they engage with you when they come into your space? Now isolation, I actually think that isolation happens as a response to fear of setting boundaries. So instead of communicating what does and does not work for you, you stay away from the people or things that make that sensation arise. So for example, you don't respond to text messages out of fear of being asked for more than you have to give instead of maintaining connection while also expressing your limitations or maybe you don't answer the door when someone stops by unannounced instead of answering and saying that you don't have time to talk right now. Isolation happens, right, because we are afraid our boundaries won't be respected, not because we have boundaries in the first place. And then avoidance. So similar to isolation, um, however, for the way that we're going to use the term here, I mean it in the sense that we are avoiding emotional accountability. So instead of working through difficult things, we walk away. Instead of acknowledging hurt that's caused, we back out. This is most easily seen in social issues. Those who are not impacted may be quick to step away or pull out for the sake of their own peace. Now, while those directly impacted have to stay present with the pain because it is actively hurting them on a daily basis. White people on race issues, men on women's issues, able-bodied people on issues related to ableism, It's easier to avoid than to engage, and when we're in a position of privilege, we have that choice, while others do not. Now to take this out of the global view and pull it into a more localized experience, we can cause a significant amount of harm in our relationships when we claim avoidance as boundaries, because we cannot adequately repair relationships when we run away from hard conversations. So how do we know we aren't isolating, avoiding, or controlling? A boundary is not control when it's focused on what is coming into your space. It is not isolation when it is an attempt to preserve a relationship. And it is not avoidance if you are prioritizing your health, capacity, or safety rather than running away from any kind of feedback. So avoidance may look like telling someone that you need more time with them in order to feel loved, and they respond with, don't tell me how to spend my time, that's a boundary, instead of saying, how can we solve this problem together? Now, if you're saying, you don't care about me, you're so selfish that you never think of spending time with me, and their response is, I would love to talk with about this with you, but I'm going to need you to start using I statements instead of blaming or calling me names. If you continue to blame me or call names, I will need to step away from the conversation. That is a boundary. Control disguised as a boundary may sound like, I need you to spend one hour a week with me or we're going to break up, instead of making a request and talking about your feelings. Isolation disguised as a boundary may look like knowing that someone is mourning more time with you, but you're really busy so you just avoid seeing them or discussing it or responding to their texts until you're less stressed, when a true boundary may be more like, I care about you a lot, however, I'm in a really stressful season right now and I just can't prioritize time with you at this time. It's not personal and I'll reach back out when I'm able to really make some time together. That is a boundary. Okay, so I think we've covered kind of what is and isn't a boundary. So how do we manage our boundaries? I've spoken before about the recipe that I use to express the boundary with love, offer a result of cross-boundary, and then actually follow through with that boundary. So an example might be if your partner continues to raise their voice when they speak with you, um, which triggers your childhood trauma and makes you feel unsafe. You can say something like, When when you raise your voice at me, it makes me feel unsafe. In childhood, when this happened, I learned that I wasn't safe, and my body gets so activated when that happens that I'm not able to stay present with what you're saying. So from now on, if you raise your voice, I'm going to have to step away. I'm happy to have these conversations with you via text or after you've calmed down in the meantime. And then when the situation arises, it's important that you actually do step away. Otherwise, you're reinforcing the behavior. Now, additionally, I have learned over the years that we are responsible for our own boundaries, meaning that only we can cross our boundaries. When we set a boundary and then remain in the situation over and over again, we have crossed our own boundary, not them. We can only control ourselves. So when we have these expectations and we just let them go, we've crossed a boundary with ourselves and it's disrespectful. I find that language very helpful for me personally. It takes my expectations away from the behaviors of others and puts me back in the driver's seat of my own mental health, which is where I prefer to be. So when a boundary is crossed and I don't speak up or I don't step away, then I'm responsible for that decision. Additionally, this takes the pressure away of having those awkward conversations with every single person we know about every single boundary that we have I don't need to tell Sharon at the grocery store that I have a boundary around people raising their voice at me. I just need to know how I respond when they do and follow through with that response every single time. You deserve a fresh start in all parts of your life, even at work. Take your team to the next level with a hiring partner that makes it simple to find candidates with the right skills. That's Indeed. If you're hiring, you need Indeed because Indeed is the hiring partner where you can attract, interview, and hire all in one place. And Indeed is the only job site where you're guaranteed to find quality applications that meet your must-have requirements or else you don't pay. So instead of spending hours on multiple job sites hoping to find candidates with the right skills, you can have one powerful hiring partner that can help you do it all. Indeed partners with you on every step of the hiring process. You find great talent through time-saving tools like Indeed Instant Match, assessments, and virtual interviews. With Instant Match, as soon as you sponsor a post, you get a short list of quality candidates with resumes on Indeed that match your job description, and you can invite them to apply right then and there. So you can also pay for the quality applications that meet your must-have requirements. Friends, if you have ever hired anyone or been on the hiring search, it is bananas out there. You're going to get applications from people who have never done the job that you've even posted about that who have just no experience whatsoever, who are not even interested in the job. They're just kind of putting feelers out everywhere you need help you need support from a place like indeed so you can trust indeed as a hiring partner because they want the same thing as you for you to find quality candidates so even better with Indeed, right? You only pay when you receive quality applications that meet your jobs must-have requirements. So it's really risk-free. Join more than 3 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. Start hiring right now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade grade. To upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash eGram. Offer valid through April 30th. Go to Indeed.com slash eGram to claim your $75 credit, y'all, before April 30th. So go do it today. Indeed.com slash eGram. Terms and conditions apply, but you need to hire. You need Indeed.
0: This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. Just go to ramp.com slash easy ramp.com slash easy ramp.com slash easy Currents issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC terms and conditions apply.
1: Now, finally, this definitely does look different by Enneagram type. I think we all have one of those three things, if not all that we are tempted to use instead of a boundary, and then places that we're kind of weak with our own boundaries. So I'm gonna run through each type, but I am a little bit cautious of prescribing the negatives here because honestly, we're all capable of isolation, avoidance, and control. So let's talk about where you tend to let your boundaries be crossed and the area in which I think you could be most cautious when it comes to mistaking something else for a boundary. So for our type ones, You are likely to struggle most with boundaries when it comes to what you think is appropriate or proper. Um, So expectations that you think like societal expectations, um, workload expectations, morality expectations. So you might struggle with workload. You might expect yourself to handle a lot and to execute it perfectly. Um, I think most type ones tend to have one or two areas in which they really focus that in. Um, Maybe that's work or family or household cleanliness or volunteer work, whatever it is for you, be mindful that you can still be a good person with boundaries in place and be most cautious of control, of kind of wanting to go into someone else's space and tell them who they should be type twos, you're going to struggle the most with availability, feeling like you have to be available all the time, or if you're not available, that the people in your life aren't going to want you or need you. Um, So make sure like your boundaries are likely you're going to have the hardest time around that availability. So um, honestly, with this one, I want to say, because it is a two that called in, think about the muscles you need to work, right? Some people have an easier time setting boundaries like type fives. Um, boundaries come pretty naturally to most type fives. However, um, for twos we and nines especially, we know this is a particular area of struggle. And so think about the muscle you need to build. So if you're surrounded, Joyce, by these people who have an easy time with boundaries to the point where maybe it starts to feel like they're selfish maybe for you, it feels selfish because you're not giving that to yourself. And so you can think about the muscle that you need to build. That's the muscle for you. I'm going to give fives a different muscle to build, you know. Um, But for you as a two, you could probably pretty safely overcorrect here. (laughs) And then you can work your way back. But you probably, cautiousness around being too concerned about your own wants and needs is not really a concern in my opinion. But um, if you do want to be careful, you know, I think control is one that twos can use. um, An attempt to kind of tell people how they should be in relationship to you. Um, You should anticipate my needs just like I anticipate your needs. You should know what I want for my birthday because I told you in June. Um, You should, you know, this kind of should language that you put onto yourself can so easily get put onto other people. And, um, you can gauge your relationships, happiness and joy based off of, um, how you think they are supposed to be similar to you in the way that you show love. So, um, be mindful of that, like sense of, is it boundary or is it control, Threes, um, you're gonna have a harder time setting boundaries when it comes to opportunities. So is it um, a work opportunity, a potential promotion? Is it someone who you really admire inviting you to participate in something but you, you're you already tired? Um, is it something that could give you a lot of recognition but is also going to exhaust you? This is where you're gonna have a harder time setting those boundaries. Um, now, when it comes to what to be cautious of, I would say be cautious of avoidance. Um, threes love to be seen in a positive light and may struggle to receive negative feedback. And so when you're receiving negative feedback, make sure that you're not... Um, when you're, you're kind of feeling like, oh, I'm with the feedback that you're receiving instead of kind of running away from that person, consider what could be true, what could not be true, and stay with the conversation for a little bit and, um, you know, have that conversation out. Type fours, Um, what can come up here is fear of abandonment or of not being good enough, you know, will they stay? Um, Am I worthy enough of love that someone would still, want to be my friend or want to be my partner or want to be my parent. If I have boundaries in place, that's going to be a major reason why you feel afraid of setting boundaries. Now, when it comes to mistaking something else for boundaries, I think isolation is your number one risk is kind of just pulling away or pushing other people away instead of setting boundaries to maintain that connection. Type fives is a fear of not sharing your knowledge or being used for your skill set. So like I said earlier, fives are typically um, over-correctors when it comes to boundaries. You guys tend to set a lot of boundaries um, to the point where it can lead to your disconnection from other people. And the times that I see fives not doing that comes a lot of when... um, your, you could be used for your specific area of expertise and kind of the fear that you won't get to ever do that again if you don't do it now. So just keep that in mind. That's a way in which you might, you know, with work or an exciting project, boundaries with yourself around how much work you can do or how much research to do. And then when it comes to mistaking something for Four boundaries, again, that is isolation. I would say that's your number one risk factor here is isolation of pulling so far away from people out of fear of of being depleted that you lose your ability to reach out when you need support. Okay, sixes. The reason that you might not set a boundary is a fear of letting other people down. Um, That's the most common phrase said to me by the sixes that I engage with is like I just don't want to let them down. I don't want to let other people down. I'm afraid of letting my family down. I'm afraid of letting my church down. I'm afraid of letting my boss down. Um, Just fear of letting people down. And then what you need to be most cautious of again I would say is isolation here. Just um, instead of saying what you need to say expressing the boundary that you need to express just kind of hiding until you can avoid the conflict at hand sevens um you're likely to not set boundaries out of a fear of missing out you know what if what if i say i can't do that but then all of a sudden they're having a really good time and i missed out on that in college for me This looked like literally pulling all-nighters when I didn't even have schoolwork to do because I was scared they would have fun without me. Like, not sleeping because I was afraid something would happen while I slept. Like, if that is not FOMO to the extreme, I do not know (laughs) what is. Um, So, fear of missing out. The thing to be cautious of is... I can say this as a seven myself, like hands down avoidance, like the fear, you know, we like ourselves. We like having a healthy relationship to ourselves. We like our confidence. So anything that threatens our experience with ourselves can feel um, like a real bummer, you know, and it can push you away. It can make you want to run away. It can make you shut down. It can make you, um, want to justify everything that you've done or all of your behaviors. So just like slow down, sit with that experience, sit with that emotion, and then, you know, apologize where is necessary and hear the other person out. And so don't, don't extricate yourself from the situation just because someone isn't perfectly happy with you all the time. Type eights, um, fear of being weak or not the protector you know you have this kind of underlying sense that you have to be strong that it's your job to protect your job to take care your job to provide and so you might struggle to set boundaries that make you feel it might make you feel like you're failing to have to set a boundary or like you're not strong enough to handle it on your own um, so that's something to keep in mind. And then the number one risk area is just, is be cautious of control. Be cautious of thinking of how you think other people should be going into their space, telling them what you think they should do because you're you're so careful around not letting people do that to you. Um, and because of that, sometimes that can get flipped around and done in reverse to other people almost as a preventative measure. Finally, our type nines, your fear here and the thing that can keep you from setting boundaries is that loss of connection. You know, what if I show up fully as I am? What if I say no here? And then they don't want anything to do with me. They don't want that relationship with me anymore, or I'm not part of things anymore. And then the number one thing to be mindful of here for you as well is isolation. You know, avoiding the conversation, avoiding the person until you no longer have a need. (laughs) So you're just kind of hiding out until you can show up the way that you think they want you to. All right, thank you, Joyce, for calling in and asking such a thought provoking question. Now, if you have Enneagram questions at home, you can call them in to 828-338-9127. The number is always in the show notes for you as well. As always, it's an absolute joy to create this content for you, and I will see you tomorrow for the next episode.
0: This podcast is sponsored by RAMP.